Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to But Am I Wrong, starring two people who are so hot, so sexy, so smart, mm. and in an unfair advantage to the rest of the world, have also never been wrong about anything ever. Nope. And I'm glad that people are starting to like clue on, clue in, because we talked about Trader Joe's in the last episode, and someone was like, I'm from the UK, have never been Trader Joe's, but Megan's never been wrong, so I'm going to have to agree with her. We do have one person, when I brought up the uh, Choco Taco, who is a frequent guest on our other podcast, (laughs) frequent update on our other podcast. And she said that the Choco Taco sounds disgusting, and she voted against me, and she's never had one before. And she said, I hope you still love me. And I said, absolutely not. No, this is, I don't think anyone, like, <laughs> if you listened, you knew how serious of a topic it was. Oh, my gosh. Well, I guess, I mean, we'll we'll get into it when we give the recap, read the results of the polls from last week. But, yeah, this is, but am I wrong? And if you are watching, hey, 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 yes, we are available on Patreon now. You can see the video version, but you will see that we are not split screen. Yep. We are together. 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 I knew that you'd only just yeah. slightly touch. Imagine me. I just like fully I didn't like know. Inter- <laughs> you'd be like, like what are you doing? It would have made me feel weird. Yeah, you're like, this is not mm-hmm. that was not what this means. <laughs> yeah. We know what this means. Uh this is exciting. Let's we are back this. in person. Now we're the emojis. Oh yeah. I think mine should be the right hand though. So welcome to the podcast. Welcome back. Uh if you've been here before and welcome for the first time if you've never been here before, you are in for the ride. Of a lifetime. Mm-hmm. Shaka, Without shaka. actually mounting us. Yeah, no. I see. I love how you went to that and I was thinking of like surfing. Oh. Have no. you seen Point Break? Mm-hmm. Mats is obsessed with that movie. Of course he is. What man isn't? <laughs> it's so true. It actually, though, to be fair, like as soon as we started watching it, I was like, this is camp. I kind of love it. It It is camp. That, that movie is the definition of camp. Because it's just... Yeah. Dudes hanging out and doing shit. I Hot take. This is not my hot take for the episode, but hot take. I think the vast majority of like movies that are targeted to men are like the campiest things in the world. Yeah. And like they want to give shit to be like, oh my gosh, I'm not into like reality TV or I'm not into like these things that we view as like traditionally feminine. And I'm like, if you want to talk about camp, the movie uh, Sleepover, Julie Corky, that movie is nowhere near as campy as, as Point Break or uh, face swap, whatever that fucking one face is. Face off. Face off. <laughs> and like, so camp. Fast and the Furious, camp. Yeah. Going back to Point Break, it's also just, I feel like just a beautiful love story too, that they 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 were too scared to tell. 
the or they told it in the way that they could tell it. Yeah, and like if you have eyes, mm-hmm. you know that they're in it love. It was sexual so tension. Sexual. It was so there is so much sex in that movie without there being sex. Yep, like that movie probably could get off to it. Yep, and they want to they want to talk shit on Brokeback Mountain, mm-hmm. and I'm like, I'm sorry. First of all, every everybody cop movie just stars two men best friends in love mm-hmm. alone high stake situations yep. and Gazing then we're so lovingly in each other's eyes they have to trust each other the test it's, of their friendship yeah. and we're supposed to believe that that the girl you speak to for 0.5 seconds in one scene and at the end that's who you end up anyways oh i guess i should introduce ourselves hi my name is megan and my name's melissa and together we make up stories <laughs> and we lie <laughs> we don't we don't we don't unless it's for the comedy someone <laughs> they were being funny and I thought it was brilliant they were like it was three things that they said I forgot what the third one was but I had posted a picture of myself at pool this weekend that I was at and uh-huh. it said like bride to be like one of the little yeah banner things and they were like look at you always lying to us you're getting married you're gay and then what other that is, I like, for some reason, I didn't even realize that you were going to include that bit in the episode. And so as I was listening, I go, oh my gosh, I am so glad that people get to hear this like story. Cause I don't know why, I don't know why I didn't know if it, cause I mean, yeah. we, we, we run long when we record. So sometimes things that don't necessarily pertain to the episode don't get kept in. And so I just thought it was good. It's, it was so good. And I was, I, I think in the back of my head, I was like thinking that we went over and it was going to yeah. get cut out. And I'm so glad it did not because I've thought about it all the time. Like, I think about it and I laugh. Yeah. Like, it's just so funny. And if anyone has not seen, was that in But Am I Wrong or Don't Blame Me? I think it was But Am I Wrong. No, it was Don't Blame Me. It was me. Don't Blame Me. It was Don't Blame Me. Again, if you all haven't signed up to watch the video, please watch the video version because I was listening to it. And again, I lived this. But I was listening to it and I was like, wait, I want to I, I wanna see the video version. And you can see... If you've watched us for a good amount of time, it's like it's written on your forehead what you're going to say. And I see it on your forehead. And we're both like laughing because we know, but you haven't even said it mm-hmm. yet. And it was just really, really, really fucking funny. Oh, it killed. It killed. Anyways. <laughs> wow. This is quite the intro. On this podcast, we have a lot of segments. We have our <laughs> But Am I Wrong segment where we pitch our personal hot takes or things that are happening in our lives and we ask each other, hello, am I wrong? And we will be like, no, of course you're not wrong because you're never wrong. (laughs) And then we have, but are you wrong? Where you, our audience, listeners, you write in situations happening in your current life and, or it could be past life, but just things on your mind that you're going through. And we will let you know if we think you are the hero or the villain of your story. And then our third and final segment is, but are they wrong? AKA, Woat of the week, Rachel of the week, where we nominate a celebrity, public figure, something happening, current event-wise, who sucks beyond belief. Yes. Sucks in the bad way. Mm-hmm. And then the best part, or one of our favorite parts. You listeners get to vote on everything that we talk about. So on our Instagram, there will be a story up sometimes on Friday, at least between Friday and Monday. Pick a day for 24 hours for you to go and vote on the situations. And if you have um, opposing opinions from the majority, please just 
write in and let us know because there might have been things that we did not see or know. And also, if you are the like a original writer and you want to give like address a question that we had or like give a little bit of an update or your thoughts on like what we said, we always love to like read those as well. And if you want to have a hint to when the voting will go up, look on my Instagram, see if I'm at a wedding or at an event, then no, it'll probably go up closer to Sunday. Or if you see me and I'm just like posting stories and I'm clearly in my apartment working, send me a message on my own account and be like, hey, oh, that was like your birthday. Yeah, this one was an exception. This was like, you know, birthday, wedding. All right. Should we get into the results? Yes. So for episode 37, first up was me. And my hot take is Trader Joe's is not good. 31% said I was wrong and 69% said I was not wrong. I think a lot of people who said that I was wrong also agree with me in the sense that like it's a snack place. Like everyone's like, you know what? I'm saying you're wrong, but like I really love a couple of like their snack things from there. And I was like, that... Yeah, I'm saying it's not it's not a real grocery store. Mm-hmm. You're saying it's a vending machine, and it is a vending machine. It's like an upgrade at 7-Eleven. Literally. And first of all, I love 7-Eleven. I know how near and dear it was to your heart as a child. Yeah, when you have one chain in your entire town, and those people, the Kim family, lets you have no concept of what money is, and you just give them some coins and think it means a dollar, and they eat the cost so you can have a Slurpee? That sticks to you forever. Mm-hmm. And then the other next family bought it and they didn't do that. And I was like, maybe that's why I don't know how to do math. I would never blame the Kims for their generosity. But I then realized, I was like, these random quarters, these ra- not even quarters, these random coins don't make up a whole dollar. I can't get one. Hmm. All right. Okay. Let's go with me. Melissa versus Choco Taco decision maker needs to be fired. Who is wrong? said that I was wrong. 93% said that I was not wrong. I will say a lot of the people that said that I was wrong, they've never had a Choco Taco. So again, if it doesn't apply, don't vote. Yeah. And here's the thing. I personally never had Choco Taco, but hearing about what they were like from a friend when I realized they were soggy, I was like, you know, not my cup of tea. They're not soggy. They're just not as crisp as like, like think of... Think of it like if you ate like an actual waffle, you know. Yeah. Between that and then a waffle cone. It's in between Yeah, so that's not my, it's not my preferred texture, but I see the joy that Choco Tacos bring everybody across the world. And so who am I, one singular person, to say that they shouldn't get fired? Like, I don't even enjoy it. I don't, I don't eat them. I, I should not be the one deciding. You know who I have beef with? Cody from Peloton. Because he got on Instagram and he was like, y'all don't like Choco Tacos. Just admit it. You haven't had a Choco Taco in a long time. And and just going off on the Choco Taco and Cody. Cody, Cody, Cody. Go work off your anger on your Peloton. I don't need you coming for my Choco Taco. No, he has lots of sermons that really resonate with people. And I just feel like this was a miss. This wasn't it. A swing and a miss. But now it might have been a long con for Klondike. But now they're talking about because of all the backlash that they might bring it back now. Well, they should because who the f- I can t- name off the top of my head, like at least five friends who've had a Choco Taco in the last like, I don't know, three months, the calendar year or whatever. I mean, it's three months is not a calendar year, but I'm saying a <laughs> range of like the last couple of months to a year. I could not name someone in my lifetime. I've never seen anyone eat a Klondike bar. Here's the thing, too, is that Klondike, when they bought 
the Choco Taco because they haven't always been yeah. part of the Choco Taco family. They made like a version of the Klondike bar that has the waffle cone in it. So I feel like they were trying to make moves, but it doesn't taste. I When I saw it, I got one yeah. and I ate it and it just didn't have the same because the cone was inside the chocolate as opposed to the outside. So it just wasn't the same. It didn't hit your tongue the yeah. same way. So it might have been a push for them to move towards that, but not the same thing. Like, what would you do for a Klondike bar? I would get a Choco Taco. That's what I would do. Mm-hmm. Then we have writer number one. Also, can we just talk about how of everything that we've like talked about at like nauseam and length, the Choco Taco is something that like I have as much passion for as like some of the political things we talk about. Yeah. Like it, like we have as just as much to say. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just like Choco Taco and abortion are like yeah. the top. Yeah. Our, our, those are our, uh, our, our ballot issues. I'm our a single pa- issue voter that's, that's for abortion. That's what I'm running on. That is your platform. It's a good fucking platform. And anti sprinkles and yeah. big milk. It all goes together, honestly. It does. it does. Life is a scam. Next up, we have writer number one versus feeling guilty for relying on her husband for income while she focuses on art. 54% said writer is wrong. 46% said writer is not wrong. So this one is really split. I will say, I didn't give the I didn't say this in the last episode, which I think is attributing to like why this is like really skewed. But moving forward, when we say like when we say like our final consensus, we've been trying to do at the end of each one of these Mm -hmm. now where it's like, oh, I don't think you're wrong for this, but I think you're wrong for this. And in the context of the show, that would mean that you're wrong. So when people are like, well, I agree with what you said, but I don't know which one to vote for. If you're agreeing with what we said and we kind of gave that caveat, like, I don't think your feelings are wrong, but I don't think you should feel that way. And so therefore, I would say that you are wrong in that, in this sense, you shouldn't feel like that. Vote with that. Like, so I want to make sure like moving forward, we've been, we've been making a point to make sure that we say our stance. So when there are ones that are more confusing like this, because I can't really word it in, in this poll. And I also think when people are writing in, maybe also don't, when you're asking what you're wrong about, don't put it towards your feelings. Word it so it's for the situation. And I think that will help clear things up as well. Yeah, because sometimes we'll adjust it where it's like, oh, if you have like friends who are being judgmental about it, but it's like, oh, am I wrong for feeling like this? As opposed to like, am I in the wrong for this? Or are my friends in the wrong Mm -hmm. for this? It's reactions versus feelings and like people's responses versus like your internal kind of feelings. But I just want to make that clear because it is 54% said the writer's wrong, 46% said writer is not wrong. But pretty much everyone was messaging agreeing with what we had said. So I don't want the writer to see this mm-hmm. and see 54% and be like, wow, that's so many people think that I'm I'm wrong for doing what I'm doing. It is not that. Right. So, and if you need screenshots to prove it, you There's, send into the DMs. Yeah, this- I can send you. This was probably one of the ones that we had the most people writing in on. Yeah, no, but and lots of people were like thanking and being like, this is a similar position that I'm Mm -hmm. in right now. And like, I like have been feeling guilt about this. And it was really nice hearing that I I shouldn't be feeling guilt about this. So just know that nobody thinks that you are wrong for feeling this way, for for doing what you're doing. The The people who are voting that you are wrong were the same things that we said that you were wrong in the sense of you're thinking that you are in the wrong is wrong. Yeah. Yep. Convoluted, but I hope that made sense. 
All right. And then we've got writer number two versus father who she doesn't want to invite to her wedding because he is currently cheating on the writer's mom with a woman he met online that lives overseas. A mouthful. Who was wrong? 2% said the writer is wrong and 98% said the writer is not wrong. We had an update from the writer too. And it says... Hi, I'm the one with the dad having an online affair. Unfortunately, she is real. He is over in the Philippines with her now on holiday. Thank you for your advice. I need to hear that from someone who doesn't know me and my day. I'm so sorry that she's real. Yeah, me too. Yikes. Yikes. So my wrong of the week was the COVID scammers. And 96% of the scammers are wrong. 4% said scammers are not wrong. 20 votes and the vast majority of you all messaged immediately and went, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I do not think the scammers were right. My bad. Yeah. Somebody did write in that said, can we have both answers? Because I think the government shouldn't have made it so easy to do it. But again, that was not what was proposed. Yeah. And you I vote mean, on what's proposed. Yeah. And we also said that in the episode and sometimes like the wrong of the week or whatever we're voting on boils down to like a, a single issue of that. There is more. There's always going to be more nuance in the conversation on the podcast. Yep. And then also my wrong of the week is body part stealer Megan Hess. I had no idea what this woman looked like before. And thank you for sharing this picture. First of all, beyond the hair the blush placement, the earrings, the makeup. I think that's tattooed eyeliner. Like everything, even the coloring of this photo, it's like they tried to help her and desaturate it and make it look like it was taken in the, in 90s. the, in the 80s or the 90s. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh no, this is this is now. Yeah. 98% said that Hess is wrong. 2% said she's not wrong. I don't think anybody wrote it and said they voted wrong. So I yeah. want to know, I want to know why you think that she's not wrong. Okay, one person said they voted wrong, but that one person who is pretending to be 16 years old, they voted for that with no adjustment. Yeah, I've got questions. Also, I just would like to extend um, my condolences to the other person named Megan Hess, who is a real oh yeah, yeah, I saw that other too. person. And how much bad press this must be for them because I'm pretty sure they're an author. Yeah. And there's also a politician named Megan Hess. And... Maybe, and an artist, too. Yeah. Maybe this is the solution. If you want to commit um, a heinous crime, make sure your name is John Smith. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's an illustrator. It's very chic. I know. All right. Now it is time for But Am I Wrong? Our first segment. So mine is a hot take, but it is inspired by some actions of some people who I do not know, but this video ended up on my For You page. Okay. So I, it is, this this girl did a TikTok in which she's talking about how she has kind of added a lot of content to her TikTok account, coining the term damp lifestyle. Yeah, I hate the word damp too, but she chose it and I've never heard anyone else use this word before. And she said that she had coined the term and I believe her because no offense to this girl, I hate the word damn. Like, it's just, I I think it was the alternative to moist lifestyle. But it's basically, there's been a whole influx of people who are, you know, talking about like sober curious and trying to live, reevaluate their relationship with alcohol and have like a, a partial relationship with alcohol and not making sobriety and not drinking 
as the only alternative to either your binge drinking or your sober, like having a healthier relationship. And this person's in their 20s. And I think it's like a really, really great like concept and a really great thing. And I've seen a lot of people who've talked about it. And she was doing this TikTok saying that she was listening to a podcast of these other TikTokers that she really liked. And on the podcast, they have a segment where they say like, yay or nay, yes or no, we like this or we don't to different topics. And one they brought up was sobriety and they said, nay, like, no. And then they reference- Like as a whole? Uh-huh. And then they reference saying like, you know, people who are like doing this whole like damp lifestyle, con- like this content, which again is this singular individual who a couple of these TikTokers, I guess, follow her. And they have like similar circles or mutual friends. And they said, if you're not an alcoholic and you don't have a problem with alcohol, reevaluating your relationship with alcohol, a damp lifestyle or choosing not to drink or whatever, it just means that you're boring. And like, just say that, just say that you're boring. Like, that's really what this is. And anyone doing that is just boring. And my hot take is if you are so personally threatened by somebody else evaluating their relationship with alcohol, which is quite literally poison, and adjusting their relationship and how much they consume. And if you are at all invested personally in somebody else's drinking in a negative way, I'm invested in you should be drinking or I, all of that, you have an alcohol problem. Yeah. It sounds very judgmental and putting your own issues on other people. Like if you're personally, if you feel personally attacked by somebody else choosing not to drink, you have a problem with alcohol. Mm -hmm. And far more people have a problem with alcohol than know that they do. I think we like view sobriety, the medical term, which is important because like we need to acknowledge that because I think like there's a lot of misinformation and judgment that comes from people who are dealing with like active addiction that people don't understand that like, yes, it does change your brain chemistry. You can't just quit cold turkey. Like there are these steps. That's why you need medical intervention for a lot of these things. But that is one level of extreme to like, that is an addiction to poison, Mm -hmm. but it's never not poison. Like it's always poison. And there's always issues that are going to arise at different levels of consumption of it. And like the automatic level of consumption, like hangover, that's like the first most basic thing. Like when you are doing something that actively harms you and either ruins your day or you're throwing up or you're doing anything like that, you're weighing the pros and the cons, but there's always a con to drinking. There's always going to be a con. Like you can't drive a car. Like there's always something there. And to treat this <laughs> as like the default, I think is super, super, super problematic. And uh, if you are watching somebody else not drink or like reevaluate their relationship with alcohol or not drink on excess, and you feel like that is a personal attack, that is because you have a problem that this is making you reflect on. Mm -hmm. And I also think that if you see someone who's saying like, oh, I'm doing 30 days, no drinking, I'm doing 60 days, no drinking, and your mind goes to judgment of that person of going, oh my gosh, wow, like that's like, you're having to like do all of that stuff. I could never do that. If you can't even fathom considering not drinking for 30 days, you have a problem. And the idea of like, oh, no, 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 well, I don't have a problem. Like, I don't have a problem, so I don't need to stop for 30 days. That to me is like, do you hear yourself? Like, yeah. if that's something that you're like, I could never 
I could never do that. Mm -hmm. That's not because you don't have a problem with alcohol. So then you would never need to do that. It's good for anyone to do that. Like periodically when something we know a substance is addictive, we should all be taking breaks from it. Like you in general, like you always like that is something that like, yes, some people are more likely to have addiction and more likely to have substance abuse issues. But it's that you're not exempt from that if you don't have a family history of that. Mm -hmm. And I just think that like the binge drinking culture is so heavily normalized and the blackout culture of like showing videos of like people doing crazy things when they're like so wasted and like so drunk and all of that. That was definitely prevalent when I grew up and like I don't drink like I don't have a good relationship with alcohol. But I can't even imagine how much harder that is now on social media with like just everyday people like, yes, you're posting this, but then you're also seeing like barstool sports. Like these videos are blowing up. These random people are blowing up for like having these crazy drunk stories. And like, this is so fun and cool. And if you're excessively talking about how much you're blacking out and how much you're drinking, to me, that is also a red flag that you, your circle is so, has normalized this behavior so much that you think that saying this out loud and talking about this on a platform where you also post aspirational content and you also are posting like Everyone says it's a highlight reel. Why is blacking out a highlight reel? Yeah. When I was in college, we didn't there. I mean, Twitter was coming along and Facebook was up. But Facebook, you wouldn't post yeah. pictures of like the way that you do on Instagram and YouTube of like you drinking like that. And I know for facts that my group of friends drinking was like a personality trait for yeah. us. And I recognize that the way that we drank, it could be a problem for me. So I stopped. I mean, like I still socially, I might have a drink. I guess I'm part of this damp lifestyle. (laughs) I did look up what it is while you were talking, but I was kind of, if somebody wasn't drinking, I was judgmental of it because I was like, oh, they don't know how to have fun. They can't handle their liquor. And it came from a place of judgment. And so how old are these people that? In their 20s. Late 20s, early 20s? Because I think think there is. Okay. To me, that sounds about right. And I probably would have said that when I was that age. But it did come from a place of judgment and projecting. And I know that like alcoholism is a problem. But we'd also say things like enjoy it now because after college, this is considered alcoholism. And so I get where they're coming from, but it's wrong. Yeah. I think that like there is one of the downsides of if you're choosing to be a young person on social media with like a platform, this was said on a podcast, if you're choosing to do grown up things before your brain is fully developed, Mm -hmm. you're going to be treated like a grown up with a fully developed brain. Like the profiting off of having a platform I hope that they really like regret how they speak about this and how they talk about this in general. And to most people in their 20s, like, yeah, I like look back to like how how normalized it was. And I even like will see younger people now talking about this. And I'm like, you statistically, there are going to be people in your friend group who are alcoholics and they're Mm going to need to get sober. And they will like if you're, you're not going to reach your 30s before you meet one of your friends who you've known drinking, who then has ceased drinking because they've had a problem. Yep. You're not going to make it to your 30s before knowing somebody who's either gone to AA, gone, gotten clean, or gone to rehab. Like, it's just not going to happen. And the this othering, like, we're different. I'm not like this or whatever. But, like, to be fair, 
I think binge drinking culture and drinking culture in general across all ages is so horrific. Like there are doctors who've come out who are like, yeah, one drink a day does negatively affect your health. Mm -hmm. And people are like, no, like that's not true. Like, and people do not want to believe doctors for this. Like you'll see like of all ages, people who are like completely denying the research behind it when it's like, informed consent but you need to not treat this like people treated cigarettes in the fucking 80s that is like oh yeah this is fine like this is totally not deadly this isn't at all like Mm -hmm. no you can make the choice like we do things all the time like i don't know some people uh you eat like raw seafood like you eat things and you know the risk Mm -hmm. of them but then denying that there's any risk there at all or these numbers are skewed in any sense is like you're gonna get so much deeper before you realize that you might need help than you would have to Like you don't need, it doesn't need to get to that point. Yeah. But the problem for me is the judgment behind it. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I think like there can be really like, she's around the same age. Her name's Hannah Elson, H-A-N-A dot E-L-S-O-N. And so I don't know. She said she kind of coined the term damp lifestyle, but maybe just in this circle. So the reference is like very clearly about her. But it's just a really incredibly damaging thing, especially because I think it doesn't take until you're 30 to become an alcoholic. It's usually when a lot of people are the consequences that they've reached in their life, the relationships that they might be losing or the health effects or things. It's now no longer deniable and or they've now reached the point where they're willing to like kind of seek and get help. But there's a lot of people who should and have gotten sober or stopped drinking, cut back excessively in their 20s. And when you make judgments for that, you are alienating. And also it's a really dangerous thing to spread that being sober and not drinking is lame and isn't cool. Mm -hmm. I really hate that. It's one thing to be like ignorant of knowing that like you're binge drinking when you're glorifying it and putting it on your platform. Like, and yeah, I was the same way. It was like my personality. There's a dip. I, that's also not good, but that I can also attribute to like your brain's not fully developed. And like, you know, you don't have a healthy relationship with alcohol. There's that. And then there's judging other people for reevaluating their own relationship and maintaining a healthy relationship with alcohol. Yeah. Because it's possible, mm-hmm. but it doesn't happen after binge drinking for years and years and years and years and years. Like that's not building that habit. Pissed me off. You seem like it. I comment on her videos. Like I have no idea who these people are, but I'm inclined to say that they might have an alcohol problem. <laughs> well, all right. So uh, mine is personal this week. So a friend reached out to me who works in the entertainment industry, but does not work in our sect of the entertainment industry. And they're like, hey, I want to be a writer now. And I was like, "Okay." (laughs) And they said, can you like give me some tips or whatever? And I said, yeah, sure. Let's schedule a time to talk about this. When they had originally reached out, I was super busy. I mean, I'm still super busy now, but I was like, we can do this in a few weeks. So we set a time. And then over the week before, they started sending me voice memos, which I hate, of, hey, so I have this story. I want it to come out on this specific day, which I was like, already, you don't know how this industry works. Like, it takes for, if you get something made, it takes forever to get made, and you have no say on when it would get made, or when it would Oh, like, see the light. Premiere. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Which is less than a year from from this time. I said, that's not realistic. And then they were also like, I have this idea and I've written 
these specific scenes that have to go in it. And I was like, again, that's not how things work. And they said, but what I'm really looking for is someone who knows what they're doing to finish the story for me. So they came to me initially saying, I just want like some tips and pointers and then ending it with you. I want you to write this. Why did you come on as a new writer? What is it called when you're it's not rewrites, but it's essentially they did the story by and then I would do the action right. Oh, they want you to. Yeah, just write it. Just write it. Mm -hmm. And I said, I don't have the capacity to do this at all. Were they offering you money? Nope. Okay. Didn't offer any money. Didn't offer. I said, do you have financiers and you already have like this ready to go? And they said, no. What does that mean? Have no understanding of how just the industry works as a whole. And I, again, told them that I have no time to do this. And they're like, well, oh, and but I was like, you know, if you want pointers, I will do this because I have there's certain parts of the industry that I want to get into. And I've reached out to people and I always feel like if there's just like tips that I have, then I will meet with the person and share. Well, and also those kinds of tips are not mentally or physically laborious. It's Mm -hmm. just kind of like off the top of your it's it's easy to share. That might be harder for other people to obtain that knowledge. But like it's not a lot of mental or physical work for you to say those things. So we set a time and they didn't show up (gasps) for the time for us to uh, talk on FaceTime. And then they messaged me a few hours later and was like, I put this in my calendar wrong. Can we meet tomorrow? And I said, no. They also called me, but I was asleep when they called. And I said, no, I'm busy. And they said, they said, is there another time? I said, no, I told you everything that I have to do this month that's due. I don't have time to do this. So am I wrong for telling them no? No. Did you suggest to them that they might be interested in writing fan fiction? I didn't suggest that, but they also... Or a novel. They also, uh, it was like, do you know another writer that would be available? And I said, do you have the money to do this? And they said, no. I think people in entertainment and in Hollywood specifically, like view writing like a screenplay or a TV show as a romantic creative process similar to that of writing like a love story like a book or something that you pour everything into when in reality you're writing something that you can't love it like you can Mm -hmm. like it and you can really like love the concept and but you have to you know the the this trope not the trope or the 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 saying is like gotta kill your darlings like that's why no one wants a writer who wrote the novel to do adapt it to a screenplay. Yeah. Like just because you you, you care too much, yeah. you love it too much. You can't let go of like, this isn't going to translate on screen. Mm-hmm. Like this is, we're going to have to cut. We're going to have to do all of this kind of stuff. Yeah. That's obscene. It's obscene. And also I just felt like it was just disrespectful of me and my time. And also I laid out that I have two screenplays that are due in the next two months. Like I don't have time to do this. And I also explained to them in detail, like in a text message, the process of even getting something made. And they're like, well, I know enough people to ask. And I was like, okay, then go ask those people. Yeah. Your proxy to the industry should make it so like, I don't want to say like that whole thing, like, oh, there's no stupid questions, but like your proxy to the industry should make like a lot of the kind of basic questions answered without having to like seek out someone. Also Google. 
Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, and then there's Google. And so then it's like, after you've done all of this individual work yourself, then when you reach out to your friends who are working in the industry you want to work in, who are incredibly busy mm-hmm. and you're calling in a favor, that is the stuff that it's like, I've done all this research. I've asked all these other people. I've like taken these mentorships. I've like looked at the master class. I've done all of this kind of stuff. And there are a couple like little technical things I'm caught up on. Could you help me out with that? Mm-hmm. And not the like you, <laughs> I would, if you're in the industry at this point and like you don't know that you like need to pay a writer to write. I'm like, do you walk around with your like fingers in your ears going like, la, 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 la. Like, it's just, <sighs> that's wild. Yeah. I don't think they actually want to write anything. They don't. I don't think, I don't believe that these scenes that they say that they have written have been written either. No, I'm sure they've just been like fleshed out and like story-wise. I don't even think that. I think it's an idea that's in their head that yeah. they have not put on paper. I also just hate in general how a lot of people talk about writing because like writing and like scream like writing like in the industry specifically because yes, anybody like of all of the ways to get into the creative field and like Hollywood or making movies, television shows, writing is the way that like you don't need a ton of credits. Like you Mm -hmm. don't need all like if you write a really great script, it is what it is. Like Mm -hmm. that is that entity. Like you don't have to like it's not like delivering one good audition and then you're not good on the callback. Like, you know, all you have to do is deliver one like amazing great script that a, a production company happens to want. Mm-hmm. And so, and it has to be the right time. The market for it has to be like, there's a lot of things that have to hit for it to even get made, unless you just have money and you can make yeah. it yourself and then distribute it itself. But I yourself. think a lot of people talk about like, you should just tr- write something, just go for it. Because yes, there are people who've written one thing mm-hmm. and the first thing that they wrote hit and it was amazing and it was great. And it's like, you don't necessarily need a ton of, credits credentials like anyone can do it but that means anyone can do it yeah like that 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 means that like then do it like Mm -hmm. anyone can do it do it it might not be good it might be great and it still might not get made but like this idea that like it's simple and it's easy just because it is the one of the few things that it is kind of like getting discovered at a mall right like Yes, we have those like some but there's still things. so much work that even goes into that. And those scripts are phenomenal. Yep. And even great writers who've written amazing scripts, if they write a shitty script, it doesn't get made then. Mm-hmm. Like a next movie they make, like it doesn't uh-huh. it doesn't happen in yeah. that way. Yep. <laughs> I can't. I'm still not over that this is the day I want it to come out. Wow. You are not wrong. Thank you. Survey says not wrong. Mm-hmm. Should we take a break? Oh, yeah. We'll be right back. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. 
Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Have to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com/slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Today's episode is brought to you by a sponsor we love, 310 Nutrition. 310 Nutrition is helping us, you, our listeners, in the new year with protein and superfood-rich products with so many options and flavors for your personal preferences. They're adding new products all of the time, and I just got my... I mean, I didn't just get my package. I just got a, 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 a secondary of my package. And I, as someone who needs electrolytes to function, there it's like elixir from the gods. I cannot sing their praises enough, specifically... The cucumber flavor of this electrolyte mix is delicious. Like it's it's so good. I've even like had it on like ice and been like, I'm drinking like a drink drink. Like you can throw a little straw in there. I'll, and, and it's it's delicious. It's so good. And I just I love they're filled with so many great ingredients that really help if you're like me and you like, you know, medically need some electrolytes, but also if you're working out, if you're sweating, hot summer day, you're going to an amusement park, you're on your feet for a long period of time, all of that. Um, most of us are not getting the electrolytes we need. Yeah, I drink mine specifically when I am working out. It's my beverage while I'm working out. I just take one stick of the hydrate, mix it in with my bottle of water. 16 ounces of water can provide the same amount of hydration equal to drinking two to three bottles of water if you got that hydrate in there. They also have the all-in-one shakes, which I absolutely love. I'm running low, so I got to get some more. But um, I love the chocolate bliss the vanilla cream the caramel sundae i have all three of those flavors sometimes i mix and match them sometimes i'll use it when i'm baking or i'll just drink it straight and it is they're so good they have a triplex protein blend plant-based proteins that include pea brown rice and pumpkin that makes it so delicious you can get fiber and superfood blends with more than 25 organic fibers and superfoods blended into one easy, delicious shake. And they also have three tins, four shake flavor starter kit, which lets you sample all the flavors for only $9. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with Don't Blame Me and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 for your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and super easy to put together an order, or you can start a subscription on products you know you'll use. Go to 310nutrition.com and use the code BLAMEME right now for 50% off up to $100 for your first order. That's 310nutrition.com and use code BLAMEME. In our live stream, our listeners are always recommending and talking about books. So we're so excited about Book of the Month because this is something that our listeners are going to love. This is a brand that I've been familiar with for a, a long time. I like love watching people talk about it. I love seeing what books people are reading and like what books they have available and I, I, I love I love everything about it. So I'm so excited uh, for someone who like, <laughs> you know, the ease of getting into a book, a lot of it can feel like really daunting. So to have like a service where it's like you're going to get like high quality hardcover books, which that's my preferred way to read at incredible prices, but also curated. So it's like amazing, cool, wonderful, great. This is it's kind of like a a straight shot into that and something that book of the month 
you can do over and over and over again. And one of the great things about it is the longer you are part of the program, the cheaper the books get. Book of the Month's mission is to help readers discover new books they love and promote the work of emerging authors. One of the amazing things about Book of the Month is that every aspect of Book of the Month experience is designed to be fun and special for readers. First of all, the books come in a bright blue box, which is very pretty. Me and Megan were just talking about them. There's also a fun app to pick your books and track reading progress. And as well, there are reading challenges and rewards. And Book of the Month makes it really easy to decide what book to read next, which for me is like the biggest hurdle. I love when other people make choices for me, especially when they're good choices. And I'm like, cool, I can trust you. So each month, the editorial team reads through hundreds of new titles and they pick some of the best new books for you to choose from. All of the books are so good. You can't go wrong. And I mean that wholeheartedly. When we were picking like our selects for this, I was like, wait, this, I like all of them. This is hard. And I literally coordinated with Melissa and I was like, okay, so these are like my top ones. I'm assuming they will be yours. So don't pick the same one as me. So then we can swap afterwards. And that's what we did. So we got the Ministry of Time by Killian Bradley. And we also received The Return of Ellie Black by Emiko Jean. The Ministry of Time is like, people are calling it like, if you're a fan of Outlander and like spy novels or time traveling books, it's quoted from Town and Country saying it's really innovative, fun storytelling. The Ministry of Time is definitely for you and listed as 45 of the must read books for spring 2024. And then Harper's Bazaar also said part time travel romance, part spy thriller and 100% multifaceted joyride. (gasps) When I tell you that I was like sold. We're also excited about the return of Ellie Black. And this one is about a missing girl who returns. But that isn't the end of the story. It's only the beginning. We both like a, a detective book. This one is uh, 20 years since Detective Chelsea Calhoun's sister vanishes. Ever since, Chelsea has been searching for signs for closure for other missing girls. But happy endings are rare in Chelsea's line of work, which that sounds so intriguing. And I'm looking forward to reading this novel so much. Can't wait. And we're so excited to usher in this new sponsor. And we know y'all are already going to love this. Plus, we've been recommended this so many times. Mm-hmm. So I, I we, we've already got fans in you. Try the service yourself at bookofthemonth.com. And you can get your first book for $5 with code PEDALS. That is your first book, $5 at bookofthemonth.com using code PEDALS. we're back from our break and we're gonna get into the but are you wrong segment so if you want to email us to be featured on episode send us 300 words maximum type it out to but am i wrong pod at gmail.com we ask that you include your ages it's all anonymous in the story anonymous in the story if you're going to use pseudonyms use full names not like numbers or letters it's just harder to follow include everybody's ages if you want to include pronouns go for it and give us as much information and detail as possible. And like we said at the beginning of the episode, format the end of it with like what specifically you're asking if you're wrong about just so we can. Yeah. Take feelings out of it. Yeah. Because you're never wrong for how you feel about a situation. But I, 25, they, them, and not a fan of my older sister's boyfriend, she, her, 29, and he, him, 29. And neither are my other sisters, both she, her, 23, and 24. So my sister's boyfriend, let's call him Chad, fitting, makes no effort on helping my sister, let's call her Dolores, with the kids. 
What a random name to pick when you picked Chad. It is. <laughs> they share one kid together, my nephew who is three, and my sister already has a daughter who just turned 10. Whenever she goes to work, she'd ask him to take care of the kids, and when she'd come home, my niece would complain that they didn't eat all day. Oh my God. Not only that, but he'd leave them both home alone or call me or my other sisters to take care of it. We all hate him. He's got no car, no license, no job, nada. We hated him more when my family and his family tried to have an intervention and it ended with him pointing a gun in my (gasps) face. The fuck? What the hell? And vandalizing my house a month later. We found out he went to jail for God knows what, and we were all happy until we found out Dolores bailed him out and brought him to a family event and he was high and drunk as shit and kept calling me bro and cuz, as in cousin to the white people out there. So here's my thing. Am I wrong for wanting to confront my sister that she needs to break up with him or I'm lawyering up and taking the kids away from her and adopting them myself? I love those kids with all of my heart and I want them in a safe environment. Chad just brings out the worst in Dolores and it scares me for the kids' safety. You are not wrong at all. At all. I think you have to have a loving conversation with your sister coming from a place of compassion and not judgment, but compassion for the kids of being like, this is not a stable environment and this is not okay. And if they live together, I mean, the first thing I would do is be like, I want you and the kids to move in with me. And I think that that should be something that would be great. I think we should get you like in therapy. This relationship is like really hard to watch you go through and it's really scary and dangerous. And I can't imagine how much harder it is for you to be in the thick of this. But I would really, really, really love to be able to support you and the kids in working towards being in a happy and healthy place. Because there, you mean, there's a way you have to go about it. Like, because I'm, and this is not what you're asking at all, but this pops up on like lots of things where I'm very, very, very much not in the camp of unless it is in dire need and there's no other option in calling CPS on like a family member. I don't think unless there is not a way that you can help, it's completely out of your control. Like all of these things, because CPS in theory <laughs> on paper is great, but in practicality, it's it's not. It's kind of in a lot of cases, like there's just too much. They're overwhelmed. And it, in similar cases, it can be like kind of calling the cops for domestic violence. Like things can get worse from doing this. So I think that like, I don't think you're wrong in giving that ultimatum, but I do think that you need to strategize with your family. And it seems like his family's on the same page. Like, I think you all need to kind of strategize as a whole because when kids are involved and like there's custody kind of stuff, you want to do what's best for the kids, but there's a way to go about it. Like, it's always going to be hard, but there's a way to go about it. Like, you don't want to make it harder than it has to be. Do you know what I mean? I don't think that you're wrong in, you know, being scared for the kids. So practically, depending on what state you're in, I would research and then Google research or read other people's research, like figure that stuff out and then talk to a lawyer because more likely in some states, grandparents can step in. So, I mean, I think that practically you look into like grandparents' rights and I mean, I don't know if that's exactly the right term. I think that applies. I don't know if that applies to custody, but looking into that because that by proxy in some states is 
kind of the only way you can go about things without bio parents relinquishing their rights willingly. But I think that depending on what the legality of that is, and that kind of has to be like a 100% sure shot that that's going to work, that is also really traumatizing. But my mind automatically goes to, and I know this isn't like we're supposed to be giving you advice, but my mind does go to having the kids and, and your sister move in with you or having something where when someone's in a bad relationship or a bad situation and they're not really seeing that and they can't really get out of it, sometimes the best thing that you can do is provide them a good relationship and a good situation. And it makes it so that feels like it could be a long-term forever possibility as opposed to, I could never imagine that happening. Like the one thing you don't want to do when someone's in an abusive relationship is let their abuser, which I guess I don't want to put onus on anyone else, but abusers want to isolate you. And the best thing that you can do as someone who's like witnessing this happening is making sure that like you maintain a good relationship in a place, like a safe space where that person doesn't forget what that is like and doesn't think that that is so far out of reach that it becomes like a viable option. Mm-hmm. To pursuing um, and getting out of that situation. But yeah, this is like really, 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 really hard. And even if it's not being able to like move everybody in with you, like scheduling time to take the kids and being like, I'll babysit on these days. I'll babysit on these days. That's always like if you can't get if you can't get kids out of an abusive situation, um, especially if they're young, the best thing that you can do is to take them out of that situation as often as you can and just temporarily because it's going to be hard no matter what, but it's easier to not continue the cycle and easier to break that and like go no contact or like get mental health help or do all of that if you have other point of references of healthy relationships and you have like places and people you can go that you know you can count on and kind of escape to. But I think it's better that it doesn't always feel like escaping, that there's planned times that you can, you know, that you're going to take them and that inadvertently is like protecting them as best you can. Oh, I cannot believe this. I hate Chad. I hate Chad. But Dolores is also, yeah, this is an abusive relationship. So yeah. it doesn't surprise me that Chad brings out the worst in Dolores because that's because Chad is the worst. And that's the intent. Like you make mm-hmm. the person you're abusing an unlikable person so then when you isolate them people aren't missing you know what I mean like people like you you piss people off before you isolate them from their family and stuff and it and it yeah you hear that stuff all the time when people are like how I can't reach out to people like I was so mean I was so like all of that and that's that's what abuse does yeah a gun yeah a gun I did not know that was gonna happen all right my turn yes All right, so here's the next one. Hey, bitches. Hi. I like that. I need an honest opinion about an issue weighing on my mind. I am a 28-year-old female, and my grandma recently got COVID from an irresponsible friend of hers who did not disclose testing positive. She was admitted to the hospital and readmitted due to unresolved symptoms. When my grandma returned to the ER, my uncle began spamming the family group chat with updates some medical related and some also very unnecessary, including every time he was in and out of the ER and messages such as, but not limited to, and this is a quote, nurse came in with tomato soup. First time I've seen it in a disposable container, end quote, new quote. 
I have added coconut oil, turmeric, and zinc to my diet ever since I got COVID, end quote. He received minimal responses to these updates, and it was difficult for me to keep up to date having to read through unimportant details. I replied, hi, could you please only send factual medical information? I want to be up to date with grandma's status, but it's a lot of messages to read. Thank you in advance. He didn't send any additional messages after this response. He provided no updates about my grandma, her admission, her admission, room number, or phone number the next day. My mom was able to get through to the nurse the next day, and the nurse stated that my uncle that my uncle was having issues with his phone. I really have no intention to be mean, as everyone handles stress differently. I do feel bad, though, that I may have caused the lack of updates. Am I wrong for sending this message? Would it be significantly better to have messaged him privately? Thanks, and I love both podcasts. This is something I would have done. It is. I might have already done this. Uh, I actually did the, do this. Let's just say I did it. I did this. I did this. Uh, I had a cousin that was in uh, the hospital for COVID as well, and I was getting updates very much like this. Play by plays. Play by plays. It was a little different situation as he is was, I don't know his status now, an anti-vaxxer. So it was angry on many reasons, but... Do you know how much more relatable you just became? You have an, anti- you have an anti-vaxxer in your life? I do. I do have an anti-vaxxer <laughs> in my life. And so we were getting play-by-plays of what was happening in the hospital. And so me and my sisters sidebarred, and we were like, do you care? No. Do you care? No. Okay, so... They're like, but I don't know what to say. And I said, don't worry, I'll handle this. I got this. So I sent a message very similar to what you said, you know. So I said, if this is not an actual like life or death update, if this is not a change to his status, then I don't care. Please stop messaging. I sent it to the whole group and it changed. And do I think that this might have made your uncle feel pissed off and he stopped sending actual updates that you needed, probably. But sometimes people got to be put in their place. And so now now that he's not sending actual updates, I would send him a private message and say, hey, you know, kind of like what you said here. Like, hey, I know that, you know, what I said might have come off a little bit harsh. And I'm sorry if you were offended, but it's just like there's a lot of things going on. And I would just like to be like on the highlight reel and not if you went and peed today. Yeah, I don't need a live stream. Yeah. Part of me thinks it would have been better if you did this privately. But I would also wonder who is (laughs) who I'm always big into like delegating. So like if this is your uncle, right? Mm -hmm. Are your parents or guardians around? Like are they involved? Like who else is on this message? Because if you do have. It seems like her mom. Or th- their mom. I don't know who the caller is. My their grandma. mom. Yeah, because okay. my mom was able to get through oh. the, the nurse. So then my thing would be like, hey, mom, I'm going to turn this on no notifications. You let me, you send me a message and let me know if there are updates and like what those updates are. Because I don't know what the extent of where your grandma is at, but if he is the only person in that hotel room, that I mean, hotel room, in the hospital room, that can be really isolating. Mm-hmm. And like, I understand, like, yes, everybody like deals with like stress differently, 
But when someone is there in the thick of like a really clinical, medical, kind of sterile setting and you're seeing presumably his mom hooked up to all of these tubes and that stuff, like it doesn't feel, it can feel really not human. Mm -hmm. And that then this is very clear to me that like this is seeking human connection and not really knowing how to do it and obviously has no (laughs) kind of fun life update. Like it doesn't have a way to kind of reach out. So, you know, could have also been that maybe he was kind of lonely before this happened. And this is just to me, I read this and I go, this should be two different threads, but it's not. And it seems like this is someone who is taking the opportunity of people who want to listen and be there that like this is kind of a very isolating and lonely thing to kind of even if you're not being the caretaker and like there are nurses and doctors when you are like the family member like that is a role that you play in the hospital Mm -hmm. so at the same time I don't necessarily think if you messaged him privately it would have made I think it still would have hurt his feelings but I think what I would have done is I would message your mom and be like I'm swamped I have so much shit to do I can't scroll through these and read these I need to just like know like the actual update update and just send me those when those happen. So, I mean, I would definitely reach out and apologize and be like, hey, I'm sorry if that came across really harsh. Like, I think we're all really stressed about this and mine is just kind of manifested in the sense that like I don't have a lot of time. And so I was feeling really frantic trying when I had a minute to get away to scroll through and I'm unable to see what the updates are. And I want to be able to look at my phone and quickly know if something has happened And every time I'm getting a text message from you in this group chat, my mind is going like something's happened Mm -hmm. and I'm getting really anxious of that. So like, I wonder if it would be possible if we could have two separate ones where it's like, you know, one where we all catch up and we can talk about things and like, I can send you a funny TikTok if I see that and like kind of reach out in a compassionate way. And then we can have one where we're giving strict updates or maybe we do an email at the end of the day or like something like that where you're not cutting off connection because he's... I think it's just the wrong vehicle for this. Because this would piss me off too. Yeah. But yeah. Also, I can't. I've added coconut oil, turmeric, and zinc to my diet since since COVID. What? Are you making a curry with a shot of orange juice afterwards? Yeah. Also, if you're not doing black pepper with your turmeric. Doesn't activate it. Nope. Yeah, this would. (laughs) I also, but I also have friends like this. Like I have friends like this who like, even if they're the ones going through kind of medical things and I'm waiting for updates like from them specifically, they'll kind of do this. And I, I understand. I, it. I know it's them trying to like also calm themselves down and like uh-huh. de-stress all of that stuff. But like you just, there needs to be two separate. If you can't do that, then there needs to be two separate yeah. avenues. But yeah, pawn that off on your mom. And what, what were your mom's feelings about this? Was your mom like, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. Because it does seem like you got, like, reprimanded by your mom. Yeah, it says he received minimal responses. That also in itself is kind of just, sometimes those things resolve themselves. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for writing in. Again, send us your But Am I Wrong to butamirongpod at gmail.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. And now what is it time for? Now it's time for But Are They Wrong, a.k.a. Rachel of the Week, a.k.a. Woad of the Week. This is when we will uh, pick something in pop culture, in the news, in the headlines, in our minds that is something that's just happening in the zeitgeist. And we nominate someone who is the worst person of the week or, I mean, in the running for the worst person of the week. So who you got? I would like to nominate... Sean Bean. And I just want you to know that every time I hear the name Sean Bean, I do think of Mr. Bean. So when I first saw this trending on Twitter, I was like, Mr. Bean said what? I thought of Bean from Even Stevens. (gasps) Beans. So you can imagine my surprise when I see Sean Bean says intimacy coordinators ruin the spontaneity of scripted drama. And my mind went to, when has... Mr. Bean had a sex scene in a movie. And I open it and I go, oh, no, this is Sean Bean. So this is from uh, avclub.com. I decided to pick this specific headline because I love how they worded it. It is because no one asked. Sean Bean says intimacy coordinators ruined the spontaneity. I love AV Club. (laughs) I've never, I don't think I've ever been out here before. Today in Jesus, who asked? Game of Thrones and Lord of the Rings star Sean Bean decided to throw the advertising campaigns of two massive TV shows under the bus by sharing his awful opinion on intimacy coordinators. So he told the UK Times of his frustrations, claiming that intimacy coordinators inhibit him because they're always drawing attention to things. He finds it artistically stifling to have, quote unquote, someone put your hand there while you touch his thing. While we're sure that Bean doesn't want his scripted sex scenes to be a free-for-all, his description sounds a lot like the relationship between an actor, a director, and a partnership, which the director tells the actor to do something, and then the actor does their best to accomplish that task. The Lawrence Oliver technique of try acting, after all, is still on the table. This is just, like, so... Maybe explain what an intimacy coordinator is for people that don't know. So an intimacy coordinator is someone who is hired, and this has happened in recent years. Um, It has only become offered. It is not industry standard. It has only become offered in the last five five to seven years. Mm -hmm. And one of the largest shows that has spoken about how they would have benefited from an intimacy coordinator on early, early seasons is Game of Thrones, the show that he was on. So an intimacy coordinator basically comes in and there's also some great intimacy coordinators on TikTok if anybody's like ever interested in industry related job that is much more like psychological based. Like a lot of people have like psych degrees mm-hmm. and like they like have backgrounds in like therapy and lots of psych- psychology based instances and things to, to know how to implement that safely among people who are in a vulnerable state. So an intimacy coordinator comes in and for any scene that is romantic. So it should be there for making out sex scenes, anything involving consensual or non-consensual sex within said script. So like 
absolutely anything, not just romantic stuff, but anything that involves touching body parts, even alluding to touching body parts. And they make sure that you have the right garments, which is like privacy garments. So whether that's like pasties or strapless bras or whatever, and they're not telling you what to do, they give you options. They look at this scene with a director and they come up with various options they can do to do this. But they're also there to advocate for you if you are not comfortable doing something. And then they can say, that's not happening. We're not filming this. They they do hold a lot of power. They can't be like over... If you're hiring as an intimacy coordinator and you override them, like you will get reported to SAG. And that's uh, never what yeah. any production wants. Like that's, Or whatever guild, any any guild. Any guild that, it, that you will get reported for everything. They will come to make sure that the actors are safe. They will then investigate the director. Like it is not something you want to fuck with. And I, as somebody who's had to do intimate scenes, oh my gosh, how nice would it have been to have an intimacy coordinator? I've been incredibly lucky that the two times that I've had to do one is me and Melvin. Mm -hmm. And Melvin and I had to figure it out on our own. And I was really lucky that it was with a close friend of mine who I felt like safe around, who like he was there to make sure that like he didn't want anyone else to see my bits. Like Mm -hmm. he, he was there also looking out for me. He wasn't, you don't, and most of the time in these things, it's usually the AFAB people who are the ones who are in the most vulnerable state. And so, you know, I was able to like rely on my male co-star to also be there thinking about me and what, how this, we can do this. And we're coordinating this, but also it is a little awkward. And that's how lines can get blurred when you have two people who are like, okay, how are we going to make out? And then you're just- And make it look believable that we're into each other or not, depending on what the script calls for. And now you're like making out off the clock, like practicing with someone. You're like, this feels weird because it also doesn't feel like a part of my job. And like, this is just kind of awkward. And then you're kind of going through it and like trying to make it work, but you also don't really know how much you can advocate for yourself. And like in one of the scenes that we had to do, I remember I was told that day, hey, you're going to do this scene and like your shirt's going to be off and this is going to be this, this, and this. And I was like, what? And you're not supposed to do that. And an intimacy coordinator is there to kind of make sure that you also as an actor know your rights, know what you can say yes and no to and how things are supposed to go. And then the other time I had one, it was like almost, it was the vast majority it was a female crew with a female director. And so it was not in a circumstance, in a situation, the set in itself as a whole from the very beginning was made in a way that like you have agency over the choices you want to make. And this is a very safe place. And like, we are looking out for you always. Those are two massive anomalies. Like, and that is because everyone else essentially did the job of an intimacy coordinator. And so I think it was actually on The Deuce. Oh, yeah. That's the second season of The Deuce. That was like the first show to announce the employment of an intimacy coordinator. And there are no regulations without one. So like you basically have to go based on director's um, discretion of do they want to have a closed set or are they okay with people walking in and out who don't need to be there watching you perform like simulated oral sex and you're naked. And so an intimacy coordinator is there to protect actors, to make them feel safer and also (laughs) to make the days go by faster to plan ahead and accordingly and know what kind of garments you feel comfortable wearing and be able to advocate for that. And also know that like, do you really want to spend, even if you really like your co-star, but if the actual scene you're doing is a traumatizing scene that's relating to sex, that you're not doing that for 12 hours straight. 
that they are looking at what the what the footage that they are getting and they're making it clear that this needs to be wrapped up quicker. There's also a lot of instances of really, really gross producers, directors, people on crews and set who take advantage of being able to watch and tell actors to do something sexual and self-gratify as that is happening. And you don't know that's happening when you are in front of a camera. Like you don't have eyes everywhere. You can't see what people are talking about. And that stuff happens even not in sex scenes. There always is going to be taking advantage and just weird things and awkward things and not knowing that people are looking at you in a certain way or people are filming you in a certain way. I had one person who was told, a camera operator who was a woman who was told to a specific shot to pan up from and she kept refusing to do it. And it was on me. And she kept saying, no, I'm not going to do it. I need you to come look at my frame. And they were like, well, just show it. And she goes, no, I'm not showing Video Village. I come over here, look at my direct frame. I'm not going to do it. And we're like kind of in a precarious like location. They would have to like move. And they're like, I'm not going to do it. And she snapped and she goes, so you want me to tell Megan, you want me to start the shot on her boobs. And I was just like, and they're like, oh, oh, okay. We'll come look at this right now. And that only works And those instances happen when you have a woman who is comfortable standing up to like 90% of the men on set. Mm -hmm. But it's also very hard to find a woman on a set doing a a crew-related job who's going to be there next to an actor who's not in the makeup department, who's not in wardrobe, Mm -hmm. who's not at crafty, who's not someone you're like literally in contact with, close proximity, all day, every day. So this is something that's been great that they've done this. Amazing. Absolutely fantastic. And he's going to get out here and just be like, Mm, this is like really ruining the magic. Whoa, it's not magic. It's your job. And I'll challenge that by saying superhero movies, action movies, all these movies have lots of fight, fighting combat, have stunts. Why is a sex scene or any intimate scene not considered in the same way as a stunt would be? And it sh- that's And it should be. Because it's... You're putting people maybe in a a situation where they don't feel comfortable. You're coordinating how the situation will happen. So do you not feel like when you watch a movie that has somebody getting punched where they're not actually getting punched and that was choreographed by the stunt coordinator, do you feel like that takes you out the moment as an actor? No. Also, Sean Bean, maybe you're not a very good actor. Or maybe you're a creep. Both. Both at that point, like if you need, (laughs) I hate to break it to you. All of your co-stars haven't also been in love with you. Like, did you think all of this was like real and true and happening? And intimacy coordinators relate their job a lot to like a stunt coordinator and why it's really important. And the biggest thing too, that is like the difference, which is why I think intimacy coordinators are equally, if not more important than stunt coordinators is because when a stunt goes wrong, everybody knows. Mm Mm-hmm. When an intimate scene goes wrong, two people know. Yep. Or one person knows. And that's it. And like, there's not as many people around. Everything is kind of far away. Also, people want to give you like weirdly like your privacy and your space when doing this. When it's like, no, no, this does need to feel as mechanical as possible Mm -hmm. because this is my job. Like, I don't want you to like take yourself out and be so far away that we get lost in that. Like, do that for like a really emotional scene where Mm -hmm. it's a lot easier to get to that point because it doesn't, you don't have all these cameras around. But no, in the sex stuff, like you're going to show what? 30 seconds of this? Right. Like, what? I hope that this drastically um, affects how people view casting him in future projects. 
And I last thing I want to add is, oh yeah, he said, I think the natural way of lovers, I think the natural way lovers behave would be ruined by someone bringing it right down to a technical exercise. It would inhibit me more because it's drawing attention to things. Yeah. If you are doing things you are not supposed to do and making someone uncomfortable, that, yeah, no. Rachel Zegler tweeted, she was 17 when she shot love scenes with 25-year-old Ansel Egglert for that for West Side Story. I can't believe they still came out with that. <sighs> Saying, intimacy coordinators establish an environment for safety of actor, of safety for actors. I was extremely grateful for the one I had on West Side Story. They showed grace to a newcomer like myself and educated those around me who've had years of experience. Spontaneity in intimate scenes can be unsafe. Wake up. And Jamila Jamil said, it should only be technical. It's like a stunt. Our job as actors is to make it not look technical. Nobody wants an impromptu grope. No one. All right. So mine is, so there's this woman that was in Anchorage, Alaska, and she was in traffic, but it was at three. I wouldn't even say it was traffic. She was driving at three. There's traffic at three. 3.45 3.45 a.m. Oh, no traffic. <laughs> Take it back. <laughs> she was driving at 3.45 a.m. and was like weaving in and out of traffic. And she got pulled over by a couple officers, officers Nicholas Bow and Charles Worland with impaired driving enforcement unit when they did a traffic stop for her for weaving in the lane and she couldn't find her driver's license and she pulled out a card that said this is my white privilege card also this woman is not white oh my god you that i feel like you slapped me across one face and in the second i was processing that you slapped me on the other side like wait whoa 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 the fuck yeah she was there for she was in Anchorage for a Trump rally and I guess they gave away these cards or she bought it at some concession that was there. Not only did, you know, she show that, then she went they let her off because of it because they thought it was funny. Not all cops. And then she posted about it on Facebook and bragged about it. And then now everyone is in trouble. If Mark Zuckerberg just leaned in and turned Facebook into like narc book and like we're just going to rat everyone out you come on collect collect that coin so not only did she post about it but she took video of it happening and on the video the officers are standing outside of her car and she asks you like my white privilege privilege card and the office officer says that's hilarious so is she double agenting or is she is this one of those things where it's like no like when someone does something absolutely ridiculous and bad and problematic and then they simultaneously take someone down with them and it ends up benefiting the other wow party wow unintentionally that's like kicking the goal the the ball into someone in the other person's goal yeah she's not double agenting at all she's been seen like she's photographed in professional like somebody found a professional photo of her at the Trump rally, and it is posted along with her, this article. So she posted this on Facebook with, ha ha, look at me and the cops. Mm-hmm. I got off of my white privilege oh, card. Oh my God. And I didn't have my driver's license with me. And they let me off. Wow, maybe they will just be their own demise. Holy shit. Mm-hmm. Do we have a picture of what the card looks like? Because I'm assuming it's similar to like a business card if she didn't have her license and was 
going through, and that was because she one had she it in out. the video. She definitely had it. I saw it in another article. Hold on, let me try to find it. This is actually like ridiculously funny to me that they would be like having that at a Trump rally because because <laughs> they try to act like, like that. <laughs> as we've brought up numerous times, they're just a walking contradiction. Contradiction. Yeah, exactly. Where it's like, oh, but I thought white privilege didn't exist. Here it is. Of course, it's Black Enterprise that has it. It looks like a credit card. Oh, my. Oh, my God. And there's a picture of her holding it up with uh-huh. the police this officer. This is the video that she posted on um, We'll post this Facebook. on our Instagram, either on our story or on the static. Yeah. And she I mean, she has on like a Trump hat in the video. She has so many flags on a ring on two rings on her shirt. So what's happening now? This is from the article, specific article that I'm reading now is from NBCnews.com. And they reached out to Mimi Israela and she won't give a comment. The officers said that they observed no sign of impairment. So there was no citation that was issued. And then they looked up to see if she had a valid driver's license in their system. And she did So the investigation regarding the incident is completed and is a part of a confidential personnel file that will not be released publicly. And of course not. not. And another police spokesperson said both officers remain employed by the department. So nothing happened. A surprise to absolutely no one. Holy shit. Mm -hmm. This is like something that Mike Sherwood write. Mm hmm. What the fuck? Shit. Uh-huh, that's funny. This is like how you know it's like so bad when people always talk like about like woke culture of being like, we can't say anything now. Like we can't do, we can't do all of this. Like you're making everybody walk on all of this. And I'm like, after cops have killed countless black people, mm-hmm. they're not operating any differently. Like there, there is none of that. There is no like, oh, well now we have, now we're being watched. Like now we're being so worked. There, they don't care. There's not because there there is no repercussions, especially within like actual precincts mm-hmm. in like those communities. And even on a larger scale, like there is no consequences. So, like nothing has changed in this. Nothing sense. has changed in the grand schemes. But I do want to highlight that, you know, this week, the officers that murdered Breonna Taylor have been yeah. charged. And then the two men that killed Ahmaud Aubrey have been basically sentenced to life in jail. So, I mean, there are, because they were charged with a hate crime. So there there are repercussions, but they're few and far between and taking longer to happen than they should. Yeah. I mean, my viewpoint from what I've read about Breonna Taylor's killers, and I have no idea if this is like very off base, but from one, to me, that was, like you said, like there, we have two instances where a semblance of justice was, it, it's not the new like precedent or whatever, mm-hmm. but that one specifically feels like we are throwing specific cops under the bus in a, we're giving them a much like, to be fair, like, w- like justly, like the, how, what, how they've been convicted and especially like the actual terminology of how they've been convicted. Cause most of the time it's like, I don't know, like obstruction of just like things that are very like not clearly hate crime or like race related malicious intent. Mm-hmm. There's usually just like, oh, on we got them on technicalities. 
this one was very much to me. I'm like, this is a, these cops fucked up as they, they are horrific, horrible things, horrible people. And you are using them because there's a much bigger grand scheme issue that is happening there. And that's similar how I feel about the school shooting in Texas, Texas, where it's like, not that someone's becoming a scapegoat because that implies that they had no agency or they're being like unjustly, crimes are being unjustly attributed to like that singular person. But I, I, that's how I feel about that one that I'm like, do you have precinct protocols that are so bad that you're like having to, are you trying to turn eyes away from Mm -hmm. us as this as a whole? Because this is actually, this is like way, way, way worse than anybody could have ever known. And then there was one case that ended up blowing up on, everyone saw all of this and all the attention was on here. And so now you're like, okay, we're going to give you that. Yep. Because that, it feels, I don't want to say it feels too good to be true because it's not a good circumstance, but it feels... It's like there is so much media attention. We have to do something, but this won't be what will be the norm going forth. Yeah. And even other other times there's been just as much Mm -hmm. media attention. It hasn't happened. So like it is a little unnerving how little faith I have in our justice system that I'm like, what's the catch? Like, what's the catch here? Because I I don't trust them. Yeah. There's no reason to trust them. And also, like, if you got, if you, if you were nailed down for all of these charges, what are we not nailing you for? Like, what do we not know that you did? Yep. Because everyone's like, oh, they're just making an example. And I'm like, I don't, they don't do that. No. They don't. They don't, they don't do that with their own. So, yeah. Wow, wow, wow. Not all cops. Not all Mm. cops. (laughs) That's horrific. Absolutely horrific. When did this happen? On the 7th of July. I didn't see anything about this. It just like, it just became public information this week. Wow. Holy fuck. Well, that was our episode. Do we feel like we need like some good news to sandwich? Oh, I do have something. I mean, it's not necessary. It's good news because like we're honoring a legend, but Serena Williams announced today that she'll be retiring after the summer. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I feel like we bring her up every episode, so we got a... Close friend of the podcast. So we are sharing her close friend's Mm -hmm. news that she exclusively told you. Yeah. I feel like she probably is up there for longest athletic career, like playing at a professional level. She's played when she was a child. That's what I mean. Probably. Because I would say tennis, as far as I know, like... Yes, you can be a professional swimmer, but like it's kind of like Olympics. But like for tournaments and stuff, you have soccer players. Those mm-hmm. people can play really, really young. Yeah. And tennis players and, you know, gymnasts start really young, but those careers aren't as long. Same thing with like anything ice skating. So I would think that she's probably up there. Yeah. For the longest professional careers. Well, if Venus isn't retiring, then she's going to lap her because they've been playing the same. Yeah. But I would think they're probably yeah. both pretty high up there. Yeah. She is on the cover of Vogue. Beautiful cover. Oh, the blue dress? Yeah. But wow. when you open it, Olympia's <gasps> at the end holding okay. the train for Shut the, the fuck photo. Up. We will also post this on our Instagram. This is the cutest thing I've seen in my yeah. life. Yeah. So it's kind of like I'm retiring, but. She looks stunning. She's gorgeous. I'm sorry. I mean, to be fair, now I'm just looking at every photo shoot image of her ever. Yeah. But congratulations to a legend. 
a like literal a legend. true goat. She's someone that I think of that like has been just someone I've known of like my whole life. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so cool that, I don't know, that like, you know, when you get to like, l- like people talk about like living through like, oh, this was like a legend, like a legendary, like, yes, I loved the Jonas Brothers. And they're like, it's like the new Beatlemania. But like, there's something about like a female athlete who has been spoken about at nauseum from like your entire life yeah. and have men being like, oh no, I could do it. And every time just like handing their ass to them mm-hmm. and like just over and over and over again, is just like, holy shit, this is cool. Like your kids are going to learn about this in like a textbook. Yeah. That's really cool. And the way she announced it is Vogue, like when someone like her who has been, who Vogue is considered like the highest of the high as far as like fashion and beauty magazines go. And for someone like her who has been talked about her entire career as being like unfeminine Mm -hmm. and un like quote unquote womanly and like doesn't have this like great body when she's just solid muscle this is like huge yeah no it it, it, it yeah that that per- puts it perfectly i didn't mm-hmm. even think about what the pinnacle of fashion and like uh unattainable luxury mm-hmm. and glamour and all of those things like that is what encompasses vogue and what people have claimed that she doesn't fit forever even though yeah. you could literally carve her bar- body out of marble and put it in the louvre and be like you could touch both of them and you wouldn't know which one was harder. No clue. You'd be like, which one is a marble carving mm-hmm. and which one is her abs? She's ranked singles world number one for 319 weeks, including a joint record of 800 of 186 consecutive weeks. How long has she been playing? Are you going to tell you? You would think that would be the first thing in the article. Her prize money, she's first in all-time rankings. So her prize money is a million dollars. Is that in total? No, there's no way. Yeah, because I didn't even know that you win. Mats was telling me that, like, about golfers and stuff, about, like, how much they win each time. Yeah. And I was like, wow. She's only 5'9". She seems that to me. She seems taller to me. Probably because you're tall. Well, no, it's just and like... And you lie about your height. I mean, to be fair, it's... Yeah. But also, at the same time... Actually, maybe I didn't think she was taller. Do you know how hard it is to have that much muscle at that height? Yeah. She has 23 Grand Slam wins. She turned professional in 1995. You were born in 93, right? I'm 29. Yeah, I know know how old you are. Now I know. Because I just looked it up. 27 (laughs) years. Wow. So, yeah, that that fits that I've never known a world Mm -hmm. without, like, her. Yeah. And she was always like the best and she was like always the greatest. Mm -hmm. I also just think that she's like a wonderful example of, um, I don't know, like when you get to see other athletes who, who, who they say they look up to and then you get to watch their athletic careers and you're like, wow, I can actually see the Serena Williams inspiration or like shaping you in that. And like, that's also really cool because you're like, wow, this person is like now ending their career, but like their career has had a lasting impact on athletes that I'm now going to watch for the rest of my life. Uh And then they're going to have an impact on all. The, that's yeah. just like really cool. And especially just because like there's not a ton of representation from like black women in sports. And mm-hmm. so like. And I think that she and Venus both like ushered in. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's been others. Althea Gibson like was kind of that for Venus and Serena, like bringing the mainstream into. Yeah. That. And I mean, in tennis has always been like, quote unquote, like 
the rich country club, like golf is too. So there's mm-hmm. been a barrier for black people or non-white people to even enter it. So yeah, and I I think that like you know we, you we even just looking at the Olympics, like you see how from American teams could always be better, but like you you see that it's not just all white people in every sport, mm-hmm. and like you hear people on every sport say like this is who my inspiration was. Like, yeah. it, like in like ballet, like Misty Copeland is like so many people who like aren't even ballerinas, but like I saw someone do something where I'd only seen white people do this uh-huh. before. And like that made me think of how the thing that I want to do in my life that I haven't seen people who look like me do. And so then it's just like, it starts like, and it just trickles, trickles down to down. all of these other people. And I just, she must be like so proud and like her kid, I mean, her husband, like obviously Olympia's dad in mm-hmm. love because he should be because she's amazing. But it, I, that kid is like, well, imagine what it's like, like the the child of a legend. Right. I know. That's so cool. Well, hell yes, Serena Williams. Maybe we can also incorporate what's Serena doing? What's Olympia's dad doing? What's yeah. Olympia up to? Yeah. In our Malala segment. Agreed. Malala, friends of Malala. <laughs> People who are going in the Hall of Fame. That is it for our episode. We hope you enjoyed. If you want to go leave a review on the podcast app, please do. We appreciate it so much. You can also support us on Patreon. We do video versions of the podcast so you can watch our reactions. And you can also join us for live streams. We do live streams with the Don't Blame Me live stream crew. And it's so much fun. It's a great way to like be social You also don't have to participate. You can just watch. You can talk. You can come if you feel comfortable to talk. You can also just watch them on playback, get the vibe. But um, it's great. Everybody is friends and it's a very inclusive and not intimidating community. (laughs) The way you said it, though, kind of like made it seem like Like a cult. Mm -hmm. I mean, here's the thing. Everybody, you know, if you want to, you got to get the, you got to get a word in. You got to work to get a word in. Uh huh. That's it. All right. Ready for a review? Yes. Five stars. Good. From Gracie92Lou, a podcast that balances serious and frivolous topics. Perfect. Not wrong. This podcast is so refreshing and fun to listen to while I also am able to gain new perspectives on topics. Megan and Melissa have such great chemistry as friends, not to mention an absolutely stunning duo. We are saying, thank you for noticing. And the topics they cover range from serious issues, social issues and human rights, et cetera, to more fun, not so serious topics, sprinkles, printers, or big milk. (laughs) Big milk. (laughs) All their takes are correct. And it would seem, in fact, that they are never wrong and have never been wrong. Highly recommend to anyone. Also, happy birthday, Megan. Thank you. I really love when people lean into like the they've never been wrong. Yeah. Oh, fuck. If you're still listening, go comment on the Instagram. I really have to pee. So go comment. I really have to pee on the Instagram. <laughs> people are going to be like, what the fuck? Ugh. We hope you all enjoyed the episode and we will circle back next week. Goodbye. But Am I Wrong is a production by me, Megan Rinks. And me, Melissa DeMonts, plus Diamond Imprint Productions. Post-production by Coco Lorenz. And production assistance by Melanie D. Watson.